The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide with uh, your friend and mine, uh, highly acclaimed uh, local author of note, Howard Linsky. How are you doing, mate? You Hello. Right? Good to yeah. see you again. We're, we're in a room where we're competing with an awful lot of noises, so um, we, we, we just sort of say that up front. So if you can hear some sort of uh, uh, organ music, you know, it's not like we've gone all posh now and we, we have... Uh, yes, it's not an ominous start to the podcast no. with the organ playing and, and kids screaming outside. That's got nothing to do with us either. No. We're not, we're not torturing children. Well, not... Not, not, not today. Not today. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so we're competing with all that. So hopefully you can hear us okay. And if you can hear something in the background, do, do, do not let it distract you. Um, but uh, anyway, what we do here on The Film Guide is we look at uh, Howard Linsky's choice of the best films to watch on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. Uh, we also have a film that Howard has deemed too good to be forgotten. Uh, we look at uh, new releases on streaming services, and we have one on uh, Netflix to talk about this week. But we start off with with the cinema and uh, new releases that are available locally. Uh, two films to talk about. Tell us about the first one. Okie dokie. The first one is Insidious, or Insidious Volume 5, probably. Um, I'd heard of Insidious, but this one's called Insidious The Red Door. And I did not realise that it was a, a like a franchise, and there are there are five of them now. This is the fifth. Um, it's classed as a supernatural horror film. Having seen the trailer, I can vouch for that because it's full of um, those creepy bits where people leap out and look pretty horrific and scare the bejesus out of everybody. Um, it's directed by Patrick Wilson in his directorial debut, uh, and uh, it is a, a sequel to Insidious from 2010, Insidious Chapter Two from 2013, and it, I think it leaps then into presumably the fifth installment but the third in the series of these stories um it stars ty simpkins uh wilson the guy who is the director as well i think he was in the originals andrew astor roseburn and lynn shy and they reprise their roles from the earlier film so i guess this is probably one of those ones where it does probably more than likely help if you know what's come before however just a glance at the trailer, um, you know, you will you'll get a feel for what's going on. It's or it started the franchise started with a young boy who's in a coma, and because he's in a coma, he can be used as a kind of portal from another dimension. So creepy beings inhabit him and then come through to the real world and torment those they come across. I mean, frankly, the plot is incidental, isn't it? Really, <laughs> it's all about jumping. And things leap out at you. Yeah. So if you like a film that where people go, oh my god, then you're going to like this one. If you're not that bothered, and I'm, I'm confessing here, Danny, I'm not a big horror film film fan. Um, I don't think I've watched anything since the first couple of Halloween movies when they came out. So that's that's going back a while. But um, do you, you like a bit of horror? Um, I like them when they're well made, and I don't think there are very many of those around. No, but, that's so true. I do I do enjoy a good well made horror. I think there are way too many cheap nasty ones that are just you know cashing in with nobody you've ever heard of however this does have a cast with some people in it that are that are names that people might recognize that's true uh, not least uh, rose Byrne and, and patrick um patrick wilson mm-hmm. uh, who have were in the first two as well uh, as as i understand it if someone if anyone cares uh, the the second one was a sequel to the first one mm-hmm. the third one was a prequel to the first oh, one. Oh, right. I knew it went off on a tangent. And I then the fourth it one, it seems, was almost like a separate... Um, uh, Spin-off? Separate almost? kind of thing again, I think. Um, and then, and then yeah, this this one is a sequel to the second one. The I one hope we've got there. that right, because otherwise we'll get a, a sack full of letters, won't yeah, we? Like yeah. In the old-fashioned way, people will write in and tell us we've got that wrong, or yeah. what have you. Uh, and, then, uh, and then there is another one on the way, apparently. There is a sixth one already in pre-production. Oh. Um, which uh, will be interesting. Although it's called uh, the the sixth one is called Thread, an insidious tale. Oh. So obviously some sort of spin offy type thing um, inspired by the almost true events of Insidious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but Thread. I don't know if that ties in at all with the new social media platform that's just launched this week. I wonder. Yes. Yeah. How very meta. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. If you like that sort of nonsense, then great. Yeah, um, if it's your thing. Good luck. But I, I, I won't mean, be queuing up for that one. There are, there are various um, uh, franchises at the moment, I think, horror franchises that are, that are around. Um, there's also the Conjuring movies, and, and, and they, they have a connection because Patrick Wilson is also in those. He's um, the king of horror. At the yeah, but, uh, but they, <clears throat> they, a bit like these maybe, they have 
cast members you've heard of. Mm. So they're slightly higher brow than the average. Yes, a few extra movie. quid spent on the acting talent. Yeah, uh, maybe worth watching. Yeah, for, rather than watching like a load of people who were once in a teen Disney thing. Mm. And um, yeah, and, and it's so cliched, aren't they? You yes, know, true. Yeah. Screaming and running is. Yeah, <laughs> we, do, we need you to scream, then run, and preferably trip, fall, get up again, and scream and run. Yeah. So there you go. If you like that sort of nonsense, then this film will be right up your street. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. that's Insidious, uh, the the Red Door. Yeah, that's the one. That's the fella. Um, yeah, and that's out. Uh, that's out from the seventh of July. Now, there's one other movie we're going to talk to you about this week. Uh, yes, it's a slightly different market. Another terrifying like horror film. Yes, <laughs> it's actually called Elemental, and it is not a terrifying horror film. It's, an, it's a Disney might be Pixar. For, might be for the four parents to have to sit through it. That's true, and possibly the people who are looking at the box office receipts, because I'm afraid it has performed underwhelmingly in America to begin with. So it's uh, computer animated, uh, described as a rom-com drama film, but it's um, it's mostly one for the kids. I mean, hopefully it's one of those ones where there are lines in it that adults chuckle at too, because, you know, Pixar used to be good at that kind of thing. Um, but this is Walt Disney Pictures and Pixar Animation Studios um, combining, uh, and it's a film talking about the elements. So uh, water, fire, etc and water and fire matter because the characters who play those elements they fall in love rather like sort of Romeo and Juliet they're not allowed to uh, fire is not allowed to fall in love with water and vice versa but um, they defy the odds and um, run off together and I must admit it sounds absolutely bonkers so I watched the trailer and uh, although it was quite well made and the animation's clever and it was you know a little bit charming it is still bonkers because you know you've got um, a character who's basically water falling in love with a character who's basically fire um they uh, the film features the voices of leah lewis Mahu, Ma, sorry mamudu athi ronnie del carmen right, let me stop you there have you heard of any of them no see that's my yardstick for whether yeah, yeah, an animation is yeah. any good or not but i always read them out because nearly always you go oh i know that guy <laughs> i've seen him in something so i thought i'd give you a chance to shine but um the, re- the rest are uh, of the cast is shiller omi wendy mcclendon covey and Catherine o'hara um, so no, none of it rings a bell in terms of cast names. But anyway, they are set in a world inhabited by anthropomorphic elements of nature, and the story follows the fire element Ember uh, and the water element Wade. Oh, so he's called Ember Lumen, and she's called Wade Ripple. And they meet and fall in love after Wade is summoned by a plumbing accident at a convenience store owned by Ember's father. So there's kind of hilarity um, about his interaction with her. Well, his potential in-laws, I suppose. You know, when they're 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 eating hot food and stuff, and he's struggling to cope with it because he's water, not fire. Um, I don't know. It all sounded a bit like, eh, you know, yeah. it wasn't a bit. Yeah, and and audience seem to kind of feel that way because they're not rushing to see it. Well, I would have thought there the fact as well that there's not a single name in the in the voice cast, where normally that that that's almost a given these days. Yes, and unless there's someone we're missing, like unless there's someone in there that kids go, oh my gosh, it's. That guy. There's, <coughs> there's I'm, nobody, I'm not aware of anyone. There's nobody on the poster. And, uh, yeah, the list of cast that, that I have here in front of me, not heard of any of them. No. So you can only imagine <coughs> that they, when they sit around in their executive meetings and they say, right, what have we got coming up, you know, and, and they go through and they must say, oh, my word, we're not, we won't waste any you know, big, <laughs> big name talent on that. You know, we're not going to put J- Bad Pitt in there doing a voice. But, I mean, it's strange that they did that because, you know, you've got Walt Disney and, and Pixar because they now own Pixar, don't they? Yeah. And this is a big one for them. They spent a lot of money on it. Um, I think it's taken approximately two-thirds of what they hoped from its opening weekend. Except um, that Disney have gone and released this right alongside, you know, uh, another rather massive movie that's one of theirs that's out at the moment, which is the Indiana Jones movie. Yes, which also has underwhelmed at the box office by it the has. standards they expected of it. It has, but um, it's still kicking the bottom of, of other films that are around at the moment. Yes, indeed. indeed. Um, and it all comes down to expectation but also budget so <clears throat> what would look like a very respectable amount of money for a normal film i guess they spent a lot on you know the- can you imagine how much money that the indiana jones movie cost to make yes a huge amount and so they'll want to make you know a lot back and they cost not just making but marketing it so yeah um disney not having the best of times at no, the moment. but they can probably afford it. I think so. I don't think they're going to go bust just yet. No. Um, have you seen the Indiana Jones movie yet? I haven't yet. The only I, thought, I wasn't too bothered either way. But I, when I saw the trailer, I thought I'd quite like to see that because of the nostalgia elements of watching the first one when even I was a kid. 
many, many, many moons ago. Um, I was slightly put off by the length of time of the movie. Yes, it's only oh, two my. and a half hours, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, I'm getting on in life. I mean, I haven't got two and a half hours to spare, you know. So yeah. I need to squeeze the, the joy out of every minute I have left on the planet. I don't know if I've got two and a half hours to wait and watch um, Indy go through the motions again, unless it's very, very good. So if you're interested but, in some numbers, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, budget for uh, the Indiana Jones film was just under $300 million. Wow. And so far it's grossed $154 million. Ah. So as numbers go, it hasn't yet come, it hasn't yeah, yet yeah. got half of. What and it's. I understand some of the issues about these movies is that people are now expecting to just see them on the Disney channels, so they're not flocking to the cinema and paying however much it is. And there's ticket. a far shorter time now between mm. when it's in the cinema and when you can actually pay to watch it at home. Yeah, and everyone's struggling in this country and across mm. the Atlantic. So you're gonna you look at the ticket of your average multiplex. And, you know, your family, four yeah. or five people that you want to take to see an Indiana Jones. Wait till next month and watch it on the Disney Channel. Also, for, for those who perhaps have been slightly more sort of um, um, cash conscious, there's another big movie coming out, I think, next week or the week after, the, the latest Tom Cruise Mission Impossible film. Yes, now that I, I'm kind of looking forward to. Maybe yeah, it's, it's had one. very good reviews. Yeah. And, and pe- you know, maybe people think, do you know what? Like, I'm going to save me pennies I'll, back. I'll do that one, Indiana yeah. Jones, I used to enjoy that, but he's 80. Yeah. So I don't know if I really I want mean, to I mean, a million that. of the budget... Uh, they spent on moisturiser for, yeah. for Harrison, you know, bless him, to make him look uh, good. He yeah. said bitterly because he does look good at 80 yeah. compared to my yeah. um, slightly less years, number of years. Uh, but yes, I'm looking forward to that one. And there's a very good, if you want to get an early taste, there's a very good clip, about 10 minute clip on YouTube of Tom Cruise rehearsing the bit where he flies off a cliff on a motorcycle. Mm. But, you know, normally with a stunt like that, they rehearse it kind of. And they do it once for real. He did it over and over again for real. Yes, you know, I read he apparently did it six times he did that stunt. Crazy. I mean, jumping out of um, planes, skydiving to rehearse that bit, doing the motorcycle bit, rehearsing that bit, and then leaping off the end of a ramp over a cliff on a motorbike, releasing yourself from the motorbike and then skydiving down mm. this ravine. That's the kind of thing you do once in case you kill yourself, but he did it over and over again. And think, you, don't worry about him. Think about the poor intern that's then got to go down and fetch the motorcycle oh, and no, bring it back up the hill sweeping again. Sweeping all the bits. He's <laughs> <laughs> got, got an hour to rebuild it. When he comes flying off again, I'm, I'm still brushing down here. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just not do this yet? <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's a big one that's coming up. Um, and apparently um, Tom Cruise has just said this week that he uh, plans to keep making these films for at least another 20 years oh my goodness the Mission Impossible thing he, he's, wow. he's completely committed to until it until he's as old as Harrison Ford in Indy because he would be 60 now isn't he yeah yeah because yeah. he's um, th- this current one is the seventh in the series mm. and it's a two part one and so people have speculated that that's because this is the end of them and uh-huh. he said oh no he said it was just mm. that the story was too big for one movie oh, wow. and he said no no, no I'm going to be keep making these so, so, so has he just removed any sense of peril or dread because he's probably not going to die then in this <laughs> Well, spoiler I, alert! I I'm guess, guessing he's not going to die. In this I guess one. it's possible, like the TV series, that it can have something of a rotating cast. So you could yeah. potentially have other people that are part of this. At some point, he'll have to turn into the boss who sends the guys into the mission. Although, and to be fair, in Maverick, he was still going on the mission, yeah. and that was a great film. I yeah. love Maverick. So, but uh, but he's a great fun, and I think one of the compliments to make um, for the Mission Impossible film series is that when you hear the words Mission Impossible, you no longer think of the TV series. Generally speaking, you think of crews and the films because the TV series quite a while ago now I think you've got to be over yeah. a certain age to consider the TV yeah, series this absolutely year because it was what 60 years ago uh, yeah it was still on TV in the 70s and 80s okay so so, so 40 know, to 50 years ago yeah yeah absolutely yeah, um, it was a long while ago but it did start in the 60s didn't it it did yeah, yeah I think it did yeah. which is 60 years ago wow. wow and that theme tune's still going yeah <laughs> well and, and they, at least you know they kept that in the TV in the movies yeah and they always have a new iteration don't they it's yeah it's really good I mean it was it was sort of an interesting thing. You think of how many other movies that have been made out of TV series that have just been awful and have yeah. never gone on to be very successful franchises at oh, all. There's a bunch we could discuss that yeah. in a separate podcast, couldn't we? Because lots of the time it doesn't work. And quite often it doesn't work because they go, the original one was a, a favourite of a lot of people, but it was basically a bit silly. Hmm. So let's camp it up and make it funny. And then you lose what the original's charm yeah. had in the first place. Yeah. So that often doesn't work. Well, you think of like, I don't know, like Starsky and Hutch or the Dukes yeah, of Hazzard. That's Hazard exactly or, the one I was thinking yeah, of. <laughs> yeah, you know, even Charlie's Angels. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, they managed to, to eke out a couple of those movies, oh, but but by and large... They, they got really silly. Yeah, yeah. and and they were, they were a bit camp to begin with, yes. whereas the, the, TV, the original TV series might look silly now, but mm. it was played straight. 
It was, with, with just a tiny little wink, whereas this is a full-on, we know yeah. this is ludicrous, so we're just camping the heck out of it. Yeah. And special effects tends to ruin things like that as well, particularly the Charlie's Angels movies, you know, the the gravity-defying stuff that they do in those movies. I always find, like, a bit yawny. Yeah. You know. And, I mean, these as well. So I, I get challenged sometimes by, by people because I love the Mission Impossible movies. I think they're, they're really fun. well done they're and really good. Really like Bond good. films. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And and yet, um, I I cannot stand the uh, Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. And, and and I've got friends who say, but aren't they basically the same thing? Not at all, because of the CGI. Well, yeah, you exactly. Know. And I mean, also they the do pr- ridiculous stuff, whereas Tom Cruise, he does most of this stuff himself. Mm. He clings to planes and buildings and jumps off them with a parachute for and, real and the <laughs> premise has never really changed you know he started out in day one as being an agent with this this sort of international espionage thing and doing impossible things and he has yet to go into space as far as I'm yeah. rather like the Fast and Furious thing Whereas you told they, me about that where they were on the moon at one point yeah, or something. yeah they start and, and also the, the premise of that they started out as streetcar racers who used to steal DVD players and then they became these international superhero agents. international yeah. agents and, and it's just so silly yeah I know I, I, I mean I know it sounds daft when I've just been praising Bond films I've been praising Mission Impossible but I like it to be grounded in reality I'm not saying that James Bond is an archetypal MI6 agent he is not mm, no but he doesn't do stuff that is like so absurd some of it's a bit oh you've got to suspend yeah. your belief there'd be moments but. in some of the movies I mean to be fair James Bond went into space and he did oh, he it in did. the 70s Rick, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but then mm. you, yes I mean but then they've they've kind of gone down the total fantasy route and then they've come back yeah I think the Daniel Craig um, version of Bond got it back down a bit more to reality, a bit more like, let's talk about the guy, the man, mm. and he does things that, generally speaking, are you know, not insane. Yeah. And you, you do believe that, that all of the things that he does are indeed possible by, yeah. by humans. The unlikely, it's pretty unlikely that it's all done by the same human. But, True. But, but yes, you, you know, it's all believable. I mean, you and I sense. could do most of that stuff, couldn't we, really, yeah. on a good day? After a second coffee, yeah. Yeah, a couple of lagers, I'd be there doing most of that. <laughs> <laughs> not well, not oh, well, dear. but, you know. <laughs> can only imagine. <laughs> I know. Anyway, those are your new releases in the cinemas. In a moment, we'll be looking at uh, the new release on streaming services. Actually, just one this week. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Just the one uh, film on Netflix to talk about in this part of the film guide with uh, your friend and mine, the highly acclaimed local author of, of Note and Distinction, Howard Linsky. Great, well done. I didn't know if you could read it with me holding it up yeah, so yeah. far from you, but well read. You keep, know, you, keep, you keep you was, wobbling it. You were squinting and I was wobbling yeah. it. Sorry about that. Yeah, That's right. uh, Yeah, we're going to talk about The Outlaws, uh, which is quite a clever title because it does involve in-laws, but you know, as we know there. Uh, are, they cr- <coughs> are they criminal in-laws? They are criminal in-laws. See, that would then make them the outlaws. The outlaws, exactly. That's why why it's clever, isn't it, really? Good little joke. But um, I must admit, that's probably the most impressive part of the movie as far as I'm concerned. I'm not really too bothered about this one, having read about it and also watched the trailer. Um, It stars... um, Owen Browning is a character called Adam Devine. He plays. No, I think you got that the wrong way around. Have I? Yeah, have another go at that. Oh, uh, it stars Adam Devine as Owen Browning. Yeah, don't worry, we'll edit that out. No one will notice. <laughs> it stars Adam Browning as Owen Devine. Whatever. <laughs> Some guy I've never heard of playing a character I've never heard of. <clears throat> Apologies for that. My notes. It's also got Billy over. McDermott playing Piers Brosnan in it. Oh yeah, yeah that's the fella. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. a very good Piers Brosnan. He looks just like him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm having a bad day. What can I say? It's uh, you know, I have, I have to make an occasional error just to make me look more like I'm human and not AI-generated on the <laughs> podcast. So it's really me. Anyway, um, yeah, he's a straight bank manager. He's about to marry the love of his life, his girlfriend. He's never met the parents for some reason, even though he's going to marry this girl. Um, eventually, he gets to meet them. And then shortly after meeting them, <clears throat> his bank is held up 
by the infamous ghost bandits, the most famous bank robbers in the US. Um, and he believes it might be his future in-laws who've pulled off the heist because when he was drunk, he gave them a bit of information that led to potentially the, the heist which he was caught up in because he was, you know, there when it happened. Um, the outlaws are played by Pierce Brosnan and Ellen Barkin, right? So both very good and everything, but it's one of those movies that just seems to appeal to a slightly older demographic. Um, along the lines of those ones that used to saw Helen Mirren and Bruce Willis and John Malkovich, you know, the, the oh. idea that no matter how old you are, you can still rob a bank, beat up young people, jump out of windows, you know, drive fast, etc. Um, and it very much has that feel for it that, you know, um, you, you're looking for fans of these actors who are going, oh, look, he's in that movie. I'll have to watch that. Pierce Brosnan's, I think, over 70 and Alan Barkin is nudging 70, although she does look amazing for her age. I remember her from the Big Easy all those years ago and she was great in that, but that's that's the mid-80s now, you know? It's a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, yeah. So. Pierce Brosnan is 70. <clears throat> there you go, yeah. And there was, there's even a Bond joke in it uh, where, uh, and also further on, the trailer virtually gives you the entire movie because it, it shows that the guy who was the straight-list bank manager, um, in, in robbing the bank, the outlaws, or in-laws, uh, they steal five million from some organised crime syndicate and then have to get it back, otherwise they'll be killed. So he now helps them to do another heist. And at one point, when he's got a gun in his hand, uh, he says, how do I look? And Ellen Barkin says, oh, you look like, uh, oh, you look like James Bond. And Pierce Brosnan says, which one? And she says, the fifth. And he says, oh, that was a good one. You know, yeah. Boom, ching. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to love faith in this. I, I might uh, skip this one. And, and, <clears throat> unless you count David Niven, then... Yes, then that's he, where it gets confusing. I yeah. had to Google who was the fifth Bond. Yeah. yeah. So in the official <clears throat> series... He, Timothy Dalton might be officially the fifth, well, according to the Google search I did. Yeah, yeah, because David Niven played him in the 60s. I was literally trying to work out if he was being like self-effacing and going Dalton was better than him or if he was literally referring to himself yeah, so yeah. I, the, the joke fell a bit flat yeah. on me but that, yeah. that was the highlight of the trailer so <laughs> and in fact you could you know you could say that it's not even Dalton because Bob Holness from Blockbusters played Bond in the 50s oh on the radio was yeah, on the radio uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yes uh, yeah. In, in the official film series I I'll guess have, it's I'll him. have an M please Bob yeah, yeah. there you go but uh, yeah I mean this is, is this wrong that I can kind of prejudge a movie by the fact oh, yeah. that it's being released straight to a streaming service well partly that but I also think it is the demographic they're aiming at it's just you know god I'm I'm, I'm getting elderly myself but it's a, I look upon the catchment demographic as kind of retirement <laughs> age you know the, the the biggest star in it is Bond 5 who's now 70 yeah and his co-star we know we know Ellen Barkin from back in the day who's 69 I just yeah, looked 69, it yeah 69 yeah I mean she looks amazing for 69 but I mean the rest of the cast almost feel incidental. It's just these two. Yeah. And uh, Brosnan hamming it up with an Irish accent, although he's originally Irish. I <laughs> it is. I so. believe that's known as his yeah. accent. But he. But honestly, it's, it didn't sound real, even though he is originally from Ireland. I was, I was baffled at first. I was going, oh, Brosnan's doing an Irish accent. Well, you hear like, him Hang in... on, he is Irish, isn't he? But it doesn't sound right somehow. You hear him in interviews <coughs> and he sounds very international. Yes, I think he he's sounds gone very, transatlantic, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, oh. And then you hear him in the UK doing interviews, and he sounds a bit Irish. Ah, there you go. Um, and, he, and he played an IRA terrorist in Long Good Friday, but I don't think he had a single line of dialogue. No, he just looked menacing. Yeah, you know, in the various scenes he did, one in a swimming bath. I think and he was the in other two scenes, was wasn't he? Yeah. And at the end, the, one of the best endings in cinematic history. Yeah, it, you don't want him as your Uber driver, do you? Not really. No, just leave it at that. <laughs> anyway, that's the Outlaws. In case you're wondering, there's a hyphen between Out and Laws to not be confused with all the other movies called Outlaws that are also out there. Um, but uh, Adam Devine, uh, he. So younger um, listeners may know who he is. Uh, he's been yes, in the Pitch Perfect clearly. movies. Ah. Um, but he was also in Modern Family as a reco oh, yeah. recurring part in Modern Family. Ah. And, uh, yeah, uh, he, yeah, he seems okay what he does. Sort of feels sometimes one-trick pony. Yeah, but, possibly, possibly, yeah. yeah. But anyway, I'm sure he oh, does well. that trick very well. I'm sure he's earning quite a lot of money and enjoying life, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. doing all right, yeah. I suppose. With his, with his straight-to-Netflix movie. I know James Bond, me, you know. He'll tell the girls in the bar, yeah. won't he? So, I know yeah. James Bond. Yeah. The thing is, by and large, Bond actors don't ever really go on to much after they've played Bond. Yeah, I mean, look at, look at Daniel Craig. All he's landed is a $100 million job playing Benoit Blanc for three movies, you know. Yeah, well, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's barely stopped playing Bond. Yeah, I was sort true. of thinking back. I mean, Connery did... <laughs> Well, but it took a long time after he finished Bond before he found his stride. It was a yeah. good 15 years of making NAF movies. It was, and uh, until he won the Oscar playing an Irish cop with a Scottish accent. Yes. 
you know. <laughs> she has range. <laughs> you know what a blood oath is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then and then and then was it playing playing the uh, the Welsh submarine driver with a with a Scottish accent as well? You know that was uh, you know he had a range, didn't he? The Welsh submarine driver. I'm thinking of a Soviet submarine. Russian. Sorry, Russian. Did I, you said well, Welsh. Say, Ru- Russian. Yeah, yeah. One. I was thinking, yeah. God, where's the Welsh coming to? That? Well, we'll edit that bit out as no well. No wonder he stole the submarine from yeah. the Russians. He was Welsh all along. He was working for us, you know. <laughs> I remember the great line in that movie where he goes, "Gentlemen, we shale into history." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So the uh, the film The Outlaws is out on Netflix on the seventh of July. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast. This is the part of the uh, Film Guy podcast that is known as Too Good to Be Forgotten. You hit, I didn't even warn him we were doing that. I, all I did was give him the finger, so to speak. I'm always and, ready. And then it popped out. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's how that's done, Max Hartington. <laughs> Poor Max, he gets it in the neck every time. Oh, you, you should hear it, though. He, he has a go. and it's Does all, he sort of stammer or fall apart? It's all, all of that. Oh, all of that. Bless him. All of that in one go. Oh. But anyway, bless his little heart. Right. So, uh, too good to be forgotten. This is where um, the, uh, Howard picks a movie that is, in his opinion, too good to be forgotten. A classic that perhaps has been overlooked. Yes, and this one is not that old, but I do think it's been very much overlooked, and it was very, very good. So... Um, I, I mean, at you know, night I'm searching for things on Netflix and Amazon, uh, Prime Video, looking for little gems, and I found this one. It's a, um, I like a bit of sci-fi. This is a science fiction indie film from 2018, um, and it stars Pedro Pascal, who uh-huh. was doing a lot of stuff. Um, you know, originally came to most people's attention, I suspect, through Game of Thrones, but has done a heap of things ever since. Yeah. But this was when he was still on his way up. Um, and it's um, about a father and a teenage girl. He doesn't play the father. He actually plays a kind of He plays villain. a teenage girl? Uh, well, oh. yes, he plays a teenage girl. He's very good. He's <laughs> got range. Grows his hair, you know. But um, the teenage girl and her father are travelling to an alien moon on a sort of shuttle thing, and they have a contract to mine gems in a, in a moon's poisonous forest. I mean, what could possibly go wrong in a moon's poisonous forest? Uh, when they're on the, the moon, the father kind of overreaches a bit. He's driven by greed, and he encounters a couple of dangerous strangers in the forest, one of whom is played by Pedro Pascal, uh, and the other guy is his sidekick. And what, without wanting to spoil the whole thing, in the resulting action, the shootout or whatever, effectively, um, the uh, character played by Pedro Pascal, who's a bit of a baddie, and the girl played by Sophie Thatcher, they have to sort of team up in order to get off the moon, because otherwise they will be stranded, but there is a lot of um, danger in the in the wood, and there's difficulty getting off the planet. And there's a time ticking time element to it that they can only do it at a certain time. Um, and the craft that they landed on has a technical malfunction anyway, so that's crippled. Um, and it, I suppose, the charm of the movie is really the performances of the two of them. They're both very good, uh, and their interaction, and of course, their lack of trust, because you know there's an element of saying, well. Um, we, we we have to team up or die, but uh, I don't trust you. You don't trust me, um, and they they both can be quite ruthless. And uh, it was a good little. I think it went under the radar. I mean, have you seen it? No, Which is never, always my test, really, because you've seen a lot of good no, stuff. Not only have I not seen it, I am not aware of this movie at all. Mm, it took me a while to find it, even online. So yeah, check it out. Prospect. The, the one thing I know about Sophie Thatcher, the 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 star of this movie, is that she has been in the Book of Boba Fett. Which is one of uh-huh. these um, Star Wars TV series, yes, which also stars Pedro Pascal. Ah, there you go. So maybe maybe he recommended her, or the other way around. Uh, although, so he's the the Mandalorian, he a yes. character that's yeah. that's got its own series, and was also quite heavily featured in this other series, The Book of Boba Fett. But you never see him. Oh, you almost never see him. And right. and they sort of they admitted that in the the Book of Boba Fett, he was never on set. He was never on set. Oh. It was another actor in the costume, and he just did the voice. Wow. Um, so, so they maybe never actually crossed. So he was just in a studio like this, like we. Yeah, are yeah, doing, yeah. You know? Just doing all the dialogue, yeah. like one afternoon, and boom, he's done five episodes, and and uh, yeah. yeah, and then there's just, some just so- nipping off for the weekend. Yeah. Love, I've got to record yeah. five. There's some poor blokes sweating to death in, yeah. in, in 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 this like metal helmet, <laughs> minimum know? wage. Yeah, because because so in the Mandalorian, he's the star of that, and it's yeah. all about his character. But you almost never see his just face. I think once or twice you've seen his face, but he's always wearing a metal mm. helmet, and you sort of think. If they paid all that money to get somebody that's a bit of a name to star in their series and you never see him, is he there? 
Yeah, yeah. Or I is mean, it that they're just getting a, you know, just get a stuntman to wear well, the yes, costume? Yes. And, then and just, I suppose it's not that dissimilar to doing the voice of an animated yeah. series, is it? I mean, you don't, mm. you're not physically there on screen, yeah. but you're. They've only it. admitted it wasn't him on the, um, uh, you know, on on this other on series. The Boba Fett one, yeah. Yeah, but but uh, but I'm thinking, yeah, but how do we know it's him the rest of the time? Because mm. you never see him. He's very good. He's got range as well. I saw him in that. Um, uh, unbelievable, unbearable talent, is it? On oh, the talent? Nicolas Cage thing, yeah, he was yeah great he's in that. very good, good in that, comedy, he? and yeah. uh, he's obviously doing the zombie thing as well. Is it The Last of Us? Mm. It was a huge hit, yeah. So he's become quite the star, and uh, I think Game of Thrones really did make him well. Everybody who's in Game of Thrones got to a very wide audience, yeah. He's picked up a lot of work as a result, but he's very good in this, and okay. so is she. So check it out. So, um, Prospect is the name of the movie from five years ago. Uh, but it's one that that is indeed too good to be forgotten. Indeed you do, yeah. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm, and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Let's look at those films to watch on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. This list has been diligently put together by our very own host, the the highly acclaimed uh, local author of Note and Distinction, the the, the very hallowed um, Howard Linsky. Brilliant. Well read. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, we're starting off with... Oh, and by the way, his uh, books are all available in, in um, the, oh, charity the works. Charity stores, mostly. The, you know, the, charity stores in the works. Yeah. yeah. yeah look, look, look in the bin where it's five for a quid and he'll be in there. Yeah. A few um, online retailers have still got them all. So if you want the entire collection, that's your best bet. Go on. Go on. Right. In there. In yeah. bulk, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Give them to your friends for Christmas presents. They'll never... Um, they'll never thank mm. you. I was going to say. <laughs> and if you if you get them autographed by Howard, you can guarantee that that will impact the value. It will. It'll dip. <laughs> so let's start off with uh, movies uh, that are on. Uh, well, let's start off with one tonight. We, well, tonight this is um, well, day of broadcast, but Friday the seventh of July, eleven forty-five PM. I'm PM. Guessing. Sorry, I've written uh, AM. Haven't yeah. I? What a moron! Because yeah. the type of film I can't imagine this is a morning film. Not really. But eleven forty-five PM on Film Four it is the Equalizer. Yes, it's not one you would sit the kids down to if um, CBBS was boring, really. Um, so it's Equalizer, loosely, very loosely based on the eighties TV series. She's not that loosely. Is it not? No, it's relatively. Yeah, I don't really remember watching the Equalizer much. I mean, <gasps> I loved Callan, but I never right. actually watched Edward Woodward much in the Equalizer. Was he beating people up much in these? Yeah, oh. yeah. Although he, well, he wasn't quite as hands-on physical. No, he was more like he got yeah. got his gun out and he shoved it in people's faces. Oh, and, right. You know, pushed punks against walls and threatened. Fair them. enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he wasn't quite yeah. as um, Liam Neeson about it. as Denzel is. Denzel is. But it was the same character yeah. it was uh they, they both played um robert mccall yeah and they both had the same True. kind of backgrounds and they both did the same kind of thing so in that sense i suppose it wasn't yeah, yeah. you're right it and in fact this is almost the exception to our earlier thing about bad tv yes. you know the tv adaptations so, to put that in a kind of perspective how many times have you been surfing either netflix or prime video or or other uh, streaming services, and you look at a movie which starts with the words "former special office, uh, forces operative" or "ex CIA agent," comes out of retirement, revenge mission, rescue someone, da da da. Loads of them. The difference is that this one's really well done, um, partly because Denzel Washington is very good in the lead role. Um, the plot of these things is always a little bit incidental, but Chloe Grace Moretz is in it as the sort of driver of the plot playing um, a teenage prostitute who is uh, under um, threat from the Russian mafia. I mean, cracky, aren't all the mafias Russian these days in movies and have been for some time because who's going to sue in Moscow uh, successfully these days? You're making us look bad, they'll say. Yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, Chloe Grace Merritt is always, I, I think, always very good in stuff. Um, she's believable. Uh, Denzel plays a US Marine turned DIA intelligence officer. Um, who reluctantly returns to action, don't they always reluctantly go back in there mm. um, to protect this teenage prostitute from members of the Russian mafia. And there's a lot of um, kicking off derriere and uh, a lot of shooting, and it's all done very stylishly. And I think, 
his performance makes it a bit more meaningful than a lot of this genre. Is it? I mean, it is a genre, isn't it? Yeah. The sort of former tough guy yeah. out of retirement. Yeah. So Denzel Washington, you you know straight away that it, it's going to be at a different level. This is mm. going to be a different thing from you know. I, I mean, it does compare the fire that uh, you recommended to me, and it was good. Yeah. Well, th- so um, D- Denzel Washington. You know, he 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 brings to this the gravitas that he brings to all of his parts. It is somewhat Liam Neeson taken esque yes. because he's an older man with a particular set of skills. Yes, it is that absolutely. kind of thing, but it also it also does pay homage to the original eighties TV series mm. with Edward Woodward, uh, albeit you couldn't get much more. Uh, different actor than yeah, Denzel very Washington. Very different characters, aren't they? Very different. Actors, different. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. no, he, he does it well. It's uh, directed by Antoine Fuqua, Fuqua who, yeah. who did Training, Training Day. Indeed. indeed. Um, and, uh, and in fact, the two of them have done, they did the sequel as well, The Equalizer 2, rather imaginatively titled. Yeah. And out in a few weeks' time is The Equalizer, Equalizer 3. Equalizer 3, indeed. It's coming, isn't it? Yes. Which, which also stars <clears throat> Dakota Fanning, who is the little girl in Man on Fire. Oh, yes. Yes. With him are. from nearly 20 reunion. years before. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, he's back. Now, some people, well, me in particular, are intrigued to know how this fits with the TV series that's on at the moment, where Queen Latifah is playing Robin McCall, not Robert oh. McCall, Robin McCall. Is that McCall, also called The Equaliser? Which is that the, has passed me by. Which is The Equaliser. It's now into its third series. It's, it's wow. doing rather well. And she is... It's it's the same character. She is a former Ooh. special forces, whatever CIA, DIA, one of those letter yeah, things, yeah. Um, and she helps people who are in trouble every week. Ooh. And it's it is the same thing. Uh, and it's insp- and it does say in the credits and everything. It's based on the eighties TV series. Uh, and there's talk about whether or not Queen Latifah and Denzel Washington are going to cross paths on on yeah. screen in some way. Ooh. But the, the thing is, is that was stretched the believability somewhat because his character is Robert McCall yeah. and hers is Robin McCall. Oh well, and so it they implies could be brother and sister, I or, or maybe they could be code names. Maybe they were yes, both had other names. Could. Yeah, I mean, there's even people talking about the fact that James Bond isn't a real name, it's a code name, and every 007 gets called James Bond. So you can stretch these things yeah. to the point of... Break. Which is born out of nothing, because yeah. that's, is, that's yeah. never anywhere official, but yes. yes. Um, no, that's more about saying that you could cast anybody as James Bond or Janice Bond, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> Whatever, Jamie no, Bond. <laughs> let's not do that. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, so the Equalizer, the first one of the, of, of the trilogy, apparently they very much said, and, and on the poster, in fact, for the third one, it says, witness the final chapter. So they are making yeah. it fairly clear that they're not going to the do these forever. Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> anyway, so I've got the trailer running of the Equalizer 3 without sound on <laughs> on my screen here. And he just took the barrel of a gun and he shoved it through a bloke's skull. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, because... Yeah. It's one know. for the children, then. Yes. <laughs> it's a, a movie for the whole family. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's fair to say this is very hard-hitting action oh, violence. Yeah. And, yeah. and this is why it's on at 11.45pm on, on film four. Yeah, sorry about the Not AM, for the yeah. kids. Yeah. I mean, the original TV series was, was more adult in its nature. It was, it was dark and it was, uh, you know, it wasn't like fun like the a team and other things mm. at the time it was this was far more serious i can only assume based on my age and my lack of memory of the equalizer in the 80s it must have been on a friday night and i was always down the pub with my mates so you know i probably missed it and i don't recall much about it at all whereas callan i'm a big fan of him yeah but uh, callan was that much earlier exactly see, so so i wasn't at the pub in the yeah. 70s i mean even i'm not that old but i think this might say something of your drinking because i'm pretty sure it wasn't a friday night i think it was on uh, a wednesday night okay yeah I'm a, yeah so i think you seven, were a midweek i was drinker, seven nights a week wasn't yeah, I? yeah yeah oh god you rumbled me there you go yeah. uh but gotta go to my ear meeting after this if you yeah right <laughs> if you um we're having that down the pub as well yeah <laughs> If, if if it's ever on a TV channel when you're surfing one night, grab an episode of I, the Equalizer. I, really I think you might quite yeah. like it. It's yeah. quite. It, it is largely Callan in New York, right? I mean, yeah. Edward Woodward's. Does range. it feel like this? What you know, if Callan had to, you know, fake his own death and flee to go across the Atlantic, he could pick up as potentially an is he a similar character. Well, in your view, yeah. Although Callan was very down market, wasn't he? he lived yeah. in a grotty bedsit. He Good. he um you know he wasn't. Whereas um, Robert McCall was quite refined. He he wore mm. nice clothes. He drove a Jaguar. He he looked like he was so a if, man of money. So if Callan faked his death, stole some money. Had elocution lessons and went up in the world. Yeah, <laughs> in New York. Yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah, because yeah. he had like a lovely penthouse apartment, if yeah. I remember rightly. And it was. I'm thinking Callan's nicked the money. Well done, sir. Yeah. The characterisation yeah. isn't a million miles away from Callan. There we go. Then. Let's put it that way. Anyway, that's Friday the seventh of July. The Equaliser, eleven forty-five p.m. on Film Four, the 2014 version of that from um, Denzel Washington. Let's move to Saturday the eighth of July, eleven uh, twenty p.m. on ITV One, Creed Two. Yes, I mean we have discussed. 
the Creed franchise, which is within the Rocky franchise in quite a fair bit of detail in previous podcasts. This is the second one. So um, Creed is uh, the son of Apollo Creed, who was in the, the original Rocky movies. And there is a lot of reference to that in this one, because in the second of the Creed movies, um, which stars Michael B. Jordan as Creed, um, and uh, Sylvester Stallone as Rocky, who's kind of like an uncle, but also like a trainer to him. In, in and, and it varies from movie to movie, whether he fulfills the sort of uncle role and or trainer role. And in this case, they fall out because Creed, uh, he wants to fight the son of his father's nemesis, or rather the man that actually killed his father. Mm. So you've got um, flashbacks to when Apollo Creed was killed by um Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren's character in um, who's uh, Ivan Drago in uh, was that would that have been let me get it right Rocky Four I'm thinking off the top of my head yeah well there's been so many of these movies um, so now history repeats itself the young uh, Victor Drago coached by his father who killed Michael Jordan's um, character's father in Rocky Four they face off in a fight. Um, early on in the movie, the first fight, uh, technically uh, Creed still wins, but only because the other guy broke the rules, hit him when he was down. So that sets up the rest of the movie, and Creed wasn't coached by Rocky in that first fight because he didn't want any part of it. He was worried that history would repeat itself. Then they have to go back to basics, and, you know, it's predictable, I know, but it's done rather well. And then they have the big fight at the end, and, the rematch. And the Creed movies have the distinction of being quite critically acclaimed yeah. as well as being commercially um, you know, successful. Rather like the first Rocky film, you yeah. know, but not the, not the others. They tended to be a bit more... Yeah, yeah. their critical acclaim kind of went downhill very, very rapidly. As the box office went up, yeah. critical acclaim went down. <laughs> yeah, but the Creed movies have managed to maintain that, um, that, that sort of critical acclaim. And, and yeah. the third one as well uh, <coughs> it was still really good. carried that, that forward. Um, the, the, but this is the last one that features Sylvester Stallone yeah. um, as 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 Rocky, and he he did play him rather well. He did. I think the older the Rocky character got, the more almost sort of believable the character becomes, and and he brings a certain pathos to that. Um, and there's quite a lot of that going on in the film world at the moment. I mean, when I watched I watched the first Creed movie a little late after it had been out for a while, and I ended up watching it not that long. Um, uh, after watching the Maverick movie where you've got the older guy and because we talked about um, you know Indiana Jones the other um, you know uh, the, the sequel with Harrison Ford um, playing a, an older version of himself and the, 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 the pathos that comes with that comes with age and looking back and a, I mean, a bit more wisdom perhaps yeah so yeah it, um, it adds a new dimension to what is craggy a fairly old franchise I mean it started in 1976 didn't it it's a yeah. long running franchise so that's 47 years old yeah. um, so far uh, but uh, but yes the um, I, I was just trying to look it up uh, because in fact it was the first Creed movie that Stallone got nominated for uh, a best supporting actor Oscar and the last Oscar he got nominated for was Best Actor for Rocky yeah. back in 1977. 1977, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, an, uh, incredible. Although I believe he's one of the few actors that's actually, he, he's been nominated for several Razzie Awards, and I believe he's turned up to collect some of them. <laughs> has he? Oh, that's I believe he has. Lo- I love that. Okay. You've been able to laugh at yourself and collect a Razzie. Yeah. <coughs> uh, but anyway, that's, uh, that's Creed 2, which is on Saturday the 8th of July, 11.20pm on ITV1. We move to Sunday the 9th of July, 10.30pm on BBC One, Rain Man. Yeah, I think this is still a bit of a classic. I mean, I think possibly in the modern world, people might look back and be a bit condemnatory about it. But, um, you know, well, for those of you familiar with the plot, it's one of the, it was one of the first times I'd ever heard about anybody who was autistic in a movie. Um, now we talk about it all the time. We talk about autistic spectrums and yeah. being on the, uh, you know... Uh, having that level of disability I wasn't really aware of this and um, it, it won all the Oscars that year all the ones that really mattered uh, directed by Barry Levinson stars Tom Cruise who I think we've, we sound like a Tom Cruise appreciation society but the, the one thing I'd say about him is he chooses good movies he chooses a good script he embodies the characters very well um, and he's alongside another massive actor Dustin Hoffman who um, I suppose stole the show playing Raymond or Raymond, sorry, not Raymond, Raymond, who is an autistic savant, which means he has autism, but he's also a bit of a genius. But he lives within himself. He lives in a sort of um, enclosed world with rules. 
um, but has a mathematical genius about him. And the plot revolves around the fact <coughs> that Tom Cruise's character, Charlie Babbitt, is disinherited by his father because he's you know a bit of a bit of a lad. Um, he gets very little left in a will. I think he gets a car and some roses from memory. Uh, all the money goes to the brother he didn't even know he had. And this is Raymond, played by Dustin Hoffman, who lives in a, um, basically, a, um, I don't know how you describe it, but like a, a, a separate home where people with disabilities go and live and are looked after. So the estate goes to this home. And when um, Charlie Babbitt, Tom Cruise's character, finds out about this, he's furious, so with, along with his girlfriend, he effectively kidnaps his brother and takes him with him. And the ransom is basically he wants money in order to return him. But of course, he has to live with him. And he has to put up with his ways, look after him, and also slowly bond with him. And um, partly he does this by taking him to Vegas because he owes some money and he's trying to get this money back. So he uses the artistic savant skills of Dustin Hoffman's character, Raymond, in order to cheat at um, the, the gaming tables in Vegas and earn some money. So that is, in essence, the plot. I wouldn't say the plot is incidental, it's quite key, but it's about the performances, it's about the interaction and some of the funny scenarios that come up because of uh, the autism and the, the gifts that this character has. So um, it was it was the first film to really kind of put autism on a on a national platform or an international so, yeah. platform, but it wasn't <clears throat> the first film that featured autism. In fact, by quite a long ways. There was a, a film which partly inspired Rain Man called Bill from the very early 80s with Mickey Rooney and Dennis Quaid in it. Oh. And um, and it's just... That only rings a very Vegas to Bells, and I must admit, I can't recall. No, it was... It, um, but yeah. Mickey... It was a TV movie. Mickey Rooney won an Emmy Award for it. Oh. And, um, and yeah, it was... And Dennis Quaid was in it as well as... as I don't think he was the character's brother, but he oh. was somebody who helped the character come out into the world somewhat and... Um, yeah, but uh, but now, like a lot of these things, the one that you think, oh, that was the first one, it, it seldom is, but it's normally the one that... That then it, allows the other mm, one to happen almost. Yeah, because yeah, I remember um, Dustin Hoffman, I think, on Blue Peter talking about autism when the movie came out and how he'd spent some time with a young British lad who had autism. And this this British lad had the ability, I remember them showing it on, on Blue Peter, that he he, he saw... The Houses of Parliament. He went and visited and looked from like you know from across the river, and then went home and drew it. Oh yes, and I've he got every guy. single window correct. He he had the right number of windows wow. in it. I've seen. I think if it's the same guy, I've seen him draw the New York landscape and from memory. Yeah, and it's just perfect. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All yeah. the details are correct. And um, although they, I think some some people these days criticise this movie because they're like, not every artistic person is a savant and whatever. But I don't think that's really the point. It's not like. They're trying to say that everybody with autism is a genius, but mm. it is. Although it's a rare thing, it's not un, entirely unheard of. And the character that Hoffman plays is based upon a couple of real people that have actually got these talents, like the guy you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and others who can remember everything. You know, yeah. They've got amazing memory. In fact, I just realised your notes even mention that movie, Bill, right at the bottom of them. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I did not know that Mickey Rooney was in that, I must admit. Right. <clears throat> the reason I put that in was because it said about the two characters, um, a guy called Peak and a guy called Bill Sachter. Um But yes, I, I inadvertently copied and pasted that as well. But I did not know. I thought, to be honest with you, when I saw that, I thought it was a documentary. Okay. But yeah, it's just said that it was written by somebody, so you don't tend to write documentaries. So my mistake. No. So, yeah. Um but uh, but yes, um, it was uh, and yeah, the, the guy who wrote is it Barry Morrow who I think did it say in your notes there um, wrote was he involved with uh, yeah yeah written by yeah, Barry Morrow Mor created Raymond so yeah, the, the fictional and he, character and he wrote <coughs> Rain Man as well and yeah. he's played by Dennis Quaid in that movie Barry Morrow ah right ah. so so I think yeah based on his own experiences I'll and check somewhere. that out that other movie it sounds interesting yeah, yeah. okay anyway uh, that's uh, Rain Man a wonderful wonderful movie and everyone at that time was raving about Dustin Hoffman's performance yeah and poor old Tom Cruise got somewhat overlooked for what was a yeah, cracking he's really performance good, from him as well yeah I think he's great in it um, uh, and he's not uh, afraid to be a little unsympathetic in it as well because obviously he loses mm. his temper a lot with this yeah. guy, you know, and uh, yeah, he's not the most sympathetic character. Yeah, so that's uh, Rain Man, 10.30pm, uh, BBC One, Sunday the 9th of July. Uh, 
we move forward to Monday the 10th of July, technically Tuesday morning, uh, 1.30am on Great Movies, Sirens. Yeah, I like this. I haven't seen it for quite a long while and I was quite shocked to realise how old it is. 1994. It, it was hot With, off the tail of Four Weddings and a Funeral, wasn't it? Yes, so it was around about that period where, um, and in fact, as mentioned, Sirens, Four Weddings and a Funeral and that weird Polanski movie, Bitter Moon, all were released within weeks of one another. And they brought Hugh Grant to the attention of an American audience. He got even more attention when he committed bad behaviour in America, but we'll gloss over that. <laughs> yes. It was around about that time. But in this, he plays an Anglican priest. So he's another sort of bumbling English figure. And it's he arrives. It's a real stretch for him, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yes, he did. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like Hugh Grant, and I think he's having fun in later life playing different characters, more, you know. Um, unsympathetic and slightly uh, seedy characters at the moment he's doing very well at them but in this one he's yeah he, it's almost the character of four weddings and a funeral but set in uh, a, a, a long period earlier than, than the 90s I think it's in the 30s but he, he goes over to Australia to visit the notorious real life artist Norman Lindsay because the church are worried that the paintings he's about to exhibit are blasphemous and he goes um, over there with his wife and is then influenced by the artist's home, which features a number of girls who he quite often paints in the nude. <coughs> Excuse me. And they are, there's this clash between the conservative churchman and his wife, who's played by Tara Fitzgerald, she played very well, uh, and the sort of temptation that comes being on this bohemian world where Norman Lindsay, played very well by Sam Neill, who's always blooming good in everything, uh, is like, well, what's the problem? You know, it's only the human body, and why are you worried about this? And in particular, Tara Fitzgerald's ca- character is influenced by the world around her, and we see her sort of come out of herself a bit more. So it's a kind of, I suppose, an erotic comedy, but it's good. The actors are all very good. It's funny in parts, and, and it's worth a watch. You know? mm. Yeah, uh, Elle McPherson is in there as well. She who, is. Who was back in the day known as The Body, the wasn't body, she? The Body, yes. So yeah. Supermodel Elle McPherson mm. is, is, is one of the, the entourage of the artist. Correct. Um, uh, yeah. but uh, I, I, So I remember seeing this in the cinema because, you know, recently seen Forwards and Funeral, thought it was great. And didn't think much of it. But oh, I right. was I was all of <clears throat> 18 or 19 at the time. And I suspect maybe I was too young to fully appreciate the complexities you of this movie. too young to appreciate the body. Of, uh, you know, well, maybe that was all I was That's probably why you went yeah, there. It's probably Let's just, be brutally frank here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and yet, yeah, I have, I've often heard people say, what a good movie this is. It is. I mean, it's worth a second look. And uh, I joke about it and everything. There is nudity in the movie, but... It's not, you know, sometimes you watch a film and you go, that's all there is, is just mm. sex or nudity. But this is, because of Sam Neill and Hugh Grant and Tara Fitzgerald in particular, that you believe in these characters and there is a fun to be had by the culture clash when Hugh Grant turns up and is trying to persuade this artist not to paint. You know, do you really have to paint people with their clothes off and do you really have to paint a crucifix in things and the church is outraged and, uh, you know, there's, there's fun to be had with this. It's, mm. it's well worth a second look. Okay. Uh, that's Sirens. That's uh, from 1994. That's 1.30am on great movies, very, very late at night or the wee small hours. Uh, but it's, yes, overnight on Monday the 10th of July. We move into Tuesday the 11th of July proper and 5.45pm on great movies, Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, I haven't seen this for a long while, but <clears throat> I do remember it's pretty impressive. Um, again, it's one of those movies that won all the Oscars or it certainly had a heap of nominations for it. Uh, it's Meryl Streep's first big role, really her breakout role. Dustin Hoffman again in it. Um, they play a divorcing couple and the, the, the back, bear in mind this is 1979, so it's a long time ago. <clears throat> it was quite a, an, um, a revolutionary idea that the woman in the, in the role, Meryl Streep, can't take life anymore as a youngish mother and she just leaves her husband and leaves her child and um, he then has to bring up the kid and it ends with a custody battle um, and I, you know I guess now you would look at it through the prism of the time we're in <clears throat> and you'd say oh well you know Meryl Streep's character is not very sympathetic probably but she fought quite hard to get parts of the role rewritten so that she wasn't just an, a one-dimensional um, character who abandons her child for no apparent reason. There is an explanation as to why she can't carry on doing what she's doing. Um, the other interesting 
part of this is is almost off screen, but you see it on screen, is the dynamic between Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman. Go oh, in, inflammatory. I mean, Hoffman very much a method actor, and it's been widely reported that he almost tormented Meryl Streep. He was, um, you know, at one point he slaps her in the movie, which she wasn't expecting. It's in the movie. She's commented on this. Uh, and uh, other things that he did. There's a famous scene where he smashes the glass and she isn't expecting it, and she reacts for real. <clears throat> so this is kind of back in the day when you could push the limits of uh, method acting without worrying too much about anyone going, hang on, you're out of order and you're fired. You know, you would be fired for doing what he did back then. Um, he has apologised for it since, rather sheepishly. But I think he was going through his phase where he was very, very serious about his acting and... Uh, misbehaved on a number of movies, including Marathon Man, when he had Laurence Olivier running up and down the stairs and things. Hmm. Um, when he was when he was not wet, not a well man, but um, it uh, was a massive success, critically, commercially, made a lot of money. Um, the highest grossing film of 1979, nine nominations for Oscars. Yeah, <coughs> and, and he won five, won five of them. Uh, you know, <clears> it's, it's not too for shabby, him and her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, and also both the um, supporting actors won, and so it also won Best Picture. So it didn't we even not a bad haul. Minor yeah. ones, it was like the major ones. So that's uh, Kramer versus Kramer uh, from 1979. Uh, that's on Tuesday, the 11th of July, 5:45 p.m. on Great Movies. Then we move to Thursday. Two more movies, to, uh, both on Thursday, that are worth watching this yeah. coming week. First one, for, oh, <laughs> you haven't mentioned this one for a while. No. 4 yeah. p.m. on Film 4, <laughs> yeah. Zulu, all I, about the Navigator on Star Trek. That's the fella. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Zulu, crikey, I have talked about it before, so I'll, 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 I'll try to be brief. Classic 1964 British epic war film based on the true story of the Battle of Rock's Drift. Michael Caine's breakout movie, so that alone makes it worth watching. Um, it shows how 150 British soldiers, 30 of whom were sick and wounded in a field hospital, successfully held off a force of 4,000 Zulu warriors. Um, and, it, you know, it is largely a true story. There are little elements of character where certain characters are portrayed differently to the way they were in real life. But apart from that, it is very much the true story of what happened. And the, the Zulu force had just left... The previous battle at Isandlwana, where they had slaughtered 1,300 British soldiers, and then they swept down on Rock's Drift and were repelled by a far, um, you know, lower number. And the real battle um, resulted in 11 Victoria Crosses being awarded for a single engagement, which is the most ever awarded for a single engagement involving one regiment. So that the, the story cried out for um, movie adaptation, mm. and um, you know it was done. <clears throat> almost sympathetically with the Zulu side of it, they played themselves in the movie. So the chief of the Zulus at the time is in the film. You know, and it's it's a sprawling, epic uh, British movie, one of the best British war films ever made, I think. And you do like a British war movie. I, so I, I ever mentioned that I like a war yeah. movie. So, so that's something one. then for you to say, <laughs> say it's possibly one of the best. Indeed. So that's Zulu from 1964, 4pm on Film 4. Then 9pm over on ITV4. You know, it's all the best film channels have the number four in them. This is true. Yes. On ITV4, 9pm, Shaun of the Dead. Yes, another British war movie <laughs> of sorts. Well, if you class zombies as yeah. the enemy. Uh, so Shaun of the Dead, a f- classic, funny homage to zombie movies written in, uh, by um, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. Uh, and Pegg starts a show and he's a downtrodden salesman in London. Uh, he's caught up in a zombie apocalypse, um, which uh, the, the, the twist on this is he doesn't notice for a while. Him and his best mate just wander through London and the zombies don't behave wildly differently to the kind of people they saw the day before. So they don't notice for a while until they are finally attacked and they have to beat a zombie to death. And then they hatch on a plan which is to rescue the girlfriend of Peg, who's, who's in the process of dumping him. They have to travel across London, save her, save her parents, get them out, cross back the, their end of London in Crouch End, um, and head for famously head for the Winchester pub, have a nice cold pint and wait for it to all blow over. Obviously, it's not quite as simple as that, but what a classic movie. I mean, I know you'll have seen this probably more than once. And it's, if you haven't seen it, check it out. If you've seen it, Watch it again. It's brilliant. And there's a lovely nod in there to um, the the TV series Spaced, which Edgar Wright, Nick Frost, yes, uh, is. Is, um, 
yeah, yeah uh, Frost, Nick Frost, Indeed. and Simon Pegg all worked on. And and there's one bit, isn't there, where you see the characters from space all bitten as zombies and and like walking towards them. Um, yeah, because doesn't he have a nightmare in space? And this this is the spin-off of that, apparently. Is that right? A, okay. So I got that. I read that. I mean, I've, I remember watching Space a long time ago, but unlike this movie, I don't remember chunks of it. But from what I understand, that was a, they just kind of was a good idea. Let's make a big version of this. Okay. So yeah. it's very funny, and, and it's also it's it's a loving homage to zombie movies. Yes. That they're, they're, they're they're not they're not sending they are sending them up but they're doing it in a very loving way because oh, you can so. tell they're real fans of the genre yeah. and uh, they, they, they've they they've lovingly uh, portrayed it in this movie they're, and all the tropes of zombie films are all in there but they're all beautifully lovingly done yeah um, and there are like slightly jolting horror bits in it you know people die and people yeah. are torn apart and eaten and stuff but it's um, but it's mostly a comedy yeah <clears throat> and, and also it has a happy ending unlike most zombie films this is very true, yes. Yeah. They, don't, they don't normally, do they? No. <laughs> so that's Shaun of the Dead, uh, which is 9pm uh, ICV4. Uh, so we, if you had to choose one of those movies as your movie of one the week... To a desert island on a, that had a DVD player and electric, <laughs> um, probably Zulu, you know, because it is just great, marvellous. Uh, what Check a surprise. It the war movie yeah, gets to I, be well, filmed you know, I'm, I'm nothing if not predictable. Exactly. So uh, thank you for that, Howard. You're um, very welcome. If you want to see the movies that Howard has suggested, if you want to see the list of the films on free to TV that are worth watching, in Howard's humble opinion, then do check out either the episode notes right now where you'll find uh, the, the list of movies or our websites at albanspodcast.com. You'll find them there too. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we'll have more film guide stuff next week with um, uh, with Chris Aikman and uh, yeah, more f- more from the St. Albans Podcast as well throughout the week. Uh, do check out stalmanspodcast.com to find out about the latest programs and what you can listen to and when. Uh, but we hope to catch you again real soon. Take care.